0: this is crossroads the get religion
1: podcast it's a big deal when a u.s. president visits and has an audience with a pope most presidents have president biden is no exception here's the headline from the washington post oddly enough in its politics section biden's meeting with pope francis carries resonance as disputes divide u.s catholics and another one from religion news service what will president biden and pope francis talk about the end of that article it suggests that the reader compare biden's post audience photo ops with those of president trump greetings and welcome to crossroads with terry mattingly i'm todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Terry is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. He's author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. And he's founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, welcome back. Glad to be here. Does anyone expect fireworks or any kind of hard news to come out of the (laughs) Biden-Francis meeting?
0: Well, I don't know, but I, I have to admit, I almost laughed out loud over your intro a few seconds ago, when you had used the phrase, oddly enough, this story ran in the political section at the Washington Post. Where else would it run? I mean, what else is real? Which leads us to the fact that whatever comes out of this meeting, I would bet the moon and the stars that nothing will come out of this meeting except things that will help joe biden politically and at which point listeners may be scratching their heads going huh the pope wants to help biden you know as a liberal catholic at that point you have to stop for a second and think what are the issues these two men agree on what are the issues these two men disagree on and which of those issues is likely to get the pope and the president positive headlines in the American press, because that's part of what is being thought about going into this. Neither of these guys likes bad headlines. And whether or not the pope would be prophetic on something like abortion, at the same time, if the pope came out swinging on abortion. In a way, he's undercutting his own bishops in the American church who are not so much for abortion rights as much as they don't want to talk about it, and they don't want to hurt a president who, once again, is on their side on other key issues. So what are those issues? If we're going to try to predict the headlines... Let's predict that they will come out and talk about immigration, the environment, especially global warming. They might come out and say that the Pope is pressing Biden to be as concerned about COVID around the world as he is in the United States. In other words, pressing America to give away more vaccines to other nations. By the way, I think that's a totally valid concern. And you you might also have some commentary from the Pope saying that he hopes America will stand up for persecuted believers of all kinds in some parts of the world. And that's a sincere concern of this Pope. It's not a let's put it this way, it's not a hard core concern for this White House. And that would be the most veiled way that the Pope could refer to the fact that the Vatican wasn't happy with how America bailed out of Afghanistan in a way that just left lots of people and including some Catholics and other and missionaries as well as NGO leaders, people doing social services work on the ground. host of other things. So let's run back through that again. Immigration, global warming, maybe something about religious liberty, persecution around the world, and that's probably about it.
1: Journalistically, how important is it for that kind of the uh, post-meeting press release that will come from both the Vatican and then there'll also be a separate press release, undoubtedly from the White House, that they are meeting on Francis's territory. When foreign dignitaries come to the White House in the United States, the president gets to write the press release. And we don't pay attention to anyone else's press. But Pope Francis is a figure of such caliber that the president goes to see him rather than everyone else coming to see the president. Yeah. How important is it going to be that going to there is going to be a Vatican press release on this thing since they're on francis's turf
0: well i mean once again let me raise that question does this pope want to hurt biden publicly which would mean hurting the bishops who have been supporting biden most of whom are close allies with this pope so if politics is all that matters should we expect Francis to do anything that would hurt Democrats at the polls in the next round of elections and do anything that would hurt Biden. I would say he has zero incentive to do that. I mean, and that's not something popes tend to do anyway. I mean, there were no flaming headlines that came out of meetings, you know, between Obama and Benedict or other papal meetings. By the way, there's a handy Religion News Service piece out called A Look Back at the History of U.S. Presidential Visits to the Vatican, and it pretty much runs through all of them, you know, and talks about kind of what were people thinking going in, what were the headlines coming out, and it's a pretty good short history, and the Vatican just isn't, in terms of diplomacy, it isn't the kind of bureaucracy that likes to create trouble. For world leaders. Now, what they say behind closed doors might be different. And and one of the most interesting things to me in the current round of stories, the Washington Post piece, which, by the way, does not quote, it, it stresses that right now there's intense tension between Biden and U.S. conservative bishops and between Pope Francis and us conservatives and bishops and the the whole massive lengthy piece proceeds to not quote a single conservative catholic or bishop in the united states unless i missed it in two readings and i don't think there's one in there at all which once again shows you the highly politicized nature of coverage of the catholic church right now
1: well i have to i have to interrupt you why no voices, it's not like they're lacking. You can just look around and and find consigliere saying things in public uh, as late as a couple weeks ago.
0: Right, but I mean Clementi Lisi, kind of our Catholic specialist, wrote a piece the other day that went, I mean, how do you avoid quoting the Archbishop of San Francisco in a story about Nancy Pelosi's relationship to the Roman Catholic Church? When he is her bishop, he is the spiritual shepherd in charge of Nancy Pelosi's relationship with the church, and he's been very outspoken, and if he doesn't give you an interview, he's been all over podcasts and a host of other places, and he's written and published several detailed commentaries on his struggles with Nancy Pelosi. So why didn't they quote him? They didn't quote him because they don't want to quote him because quoting him would play up the divisions inside the american church admit they exist and potentially hurt well hurt pelosi or hurt biden with democratic voters and let's we have to go back over that list again what are they trying to accomplish right now do they think they can get anything done on abortion or euthanasia or gay rights, or are they even heavily motivated to do so? What are they heavily motivated to do? We're back to the environment and immigration and a couple of social justice issues and, frankly, global COVID.
1: Talk about Catholic media, because it is not mainstream media, but it is very heavily consumed by at least part of that segment that we know as U.S. Catholics.
0: Yeah, a while ago when you mentioned, you know, that it would have been easy to quote conservative Catholics, one of the reasons is that conservative Catholics have a large and vibrant presence in social media, on Twitter, and Facebook, and in some of their own media institutions, some of which have openly clashed with this pope, and one of which, EWTN, the pope took a direct shot at recently. So the divisions inside the Catholic bishops and the divisions inside Catholicism in terms of Africa and Asia conservatives' intentions with German liberals who are, frankly, beginning to act like liberal Lutherans at the moment, I mean, you have all that right there in the press, in the independent Catholic press, and all you have to do is know how to use a search engine and you can get people to quote instantly. So let me make that point again. If these people on the conservative side of the Catholic world are not being quoted by the media, it's because the media doesn't want to quote them.
1: So Terry, you referenced the meeting of Nancy Pelosi with the Pope that took place. How did it play in the Catholic press as opposed to really didn't play much when it comes to the mainstream press?
0: Well, in the Catholic press, you had, on the conservative side, you had lots of attention about what they could have talked about. And you also had, naturally, you had quotations from conservative Catholics about why they were concerned about the meeting, and in particular, you had quotes from her own archbishop, Cordelion. In other words, in the conservative press, you had a chance to hear not only what the liberals were saying in the form of what Pelosi and her supporters were saying, you had a choice to hear what conservative Catholics were saying as well. And it's one of those cases where, frankly, a a more balanced approach to the sourcing is conservative in the framework of the current media marketplace, just as the Washington Post story, which is considered straight news, actually reads more like an analysis, you know, in the sense that it talks over and over about Biden facing divisions among Catholics and the Pope facing divisions among Catholics. And we're only going to let you hear from one side of those divisions, which implies what?
1: Well, advocacy journalism.
0: Yeah, at the very least. So the the irony right now is that to get both sides of a story— told with real insights. People are having to read both the liberal and the conservative Catholic press, and you're much more likely to get both sides of the story with that approach than you are reading mainstream American coverage, especially, especially when it's covered by political reporters and not by religion beat reporters. And once again, as I said at the very beginning of this, this conversation, What else could this story be about other than politics? It's dealing with the President of the United States. Why should we think that religion actually matters in this kind of a story?
1: You had mentioned no conservative voices in that Washington Post story. What else of note did you find in that piece?
0: Well, it also had some interesting history in it, and there were two things that I thought were particularly interesting. One was it noted that Both of these men have a lot in common. Both of them got into their offices late in life, maybe later than they expected. They were older, and they're kind of hurrying. And then there's this very interesting statement. Biden and Francis are each fighting to change a culture after a predecessor they regarded as rigid and insufficiently inclusive, igniting angry opposition that is proving perhaps more potent than they may have anticipated. Well, let's stop and think about this. Is Pope Francis noted for being a very flexible person, as opposed to Benedict? And, of course, that's the reference to the predecessor. Who was Benedict inflexible with? Well, he didn't throw anybody out of office. He didn't go on rampages or crusades against liberal Catholics. He did, however, take some symbolic actions to include some forms of conservative Catholicism back into the life of the Church, and the best example of that would be the Latin Mass. So what is the big symbolic gesture by Francis in recent months in terms of Catholic life in the United States? It's been this almost virtual ban on celebrations of the traditional Latin Mass, and this has Created just a firestorm that will not go away. If you talk to conservative Catholics, they do not consider Francis to be a person who is flexible at all, both in church politics and in terms of who he appoints. Back in the Benedict age, if you asked liberal Catholics if they considered Benedict to be flexible, you would find a striking amount of commentary by people on the left actually praising some of what Benedict had to say and some of the things he did. And then they would criticize him as being perhaps too inflexible on this, that, or the other. You actually, among liberal Catholics, you saw a lot of praise for some of what Benedict did. Right now, and you could say it's the Trump era, you can say whatever it is, The divisions inside the U.S. Catholic bishops, in particular, are just so fierce. And I guarantee you that half the people involved in those battles don't think Francis is being terribly flexible. I also think it's very interesting, while everybody may focus on the Trump visit and whether or not Francis intentionally frowned in the famous photograph, at the end of that meeting with the Trump family. I noted it get religion that hardly anybody wrote anything about the fact that Mrs. Trump, Melania Trump, in those meetings behaved like a practicing Roman Catholic, and that apparently had some brief conversations with the Pope about her faith, and that he was very warm to her, and maybe not warm to her husband. I also think When we talk about the public side of a meeting between the pope and a president, and, you know, what they say or they don't say, and everybody admits that what was really important was what's going on behind the scenes, boy, the big example of that, and it's mentioned in this story and also mentioned in the Religion News Service, was the situation between Ronald Reagan and now Saint Pope John Paul II. I mean, they came out and said the the right things. They came out and smiled, and the Pope had a few suggestions of things where he'd like to see America do more on this and that and the other. What we know now, based on waves of correspondence and diplomatic contacts and whatever, was those two men really, really bonded, and between them, They turned into a massive force for activism behind the scenes in the fall of Eastern Europe from the Soviet Empire. I mean, and you you could say that maybe the biggest event of the late 20th century occurred behind closed doors during those lengthy private meetings between John Paul and Reagan. I found it interesting. I wrote a column about this about a year or two ago, a biography Of that relationship, someone who dug back into the cables and dug back into the documents, but also simply noted that toward the end of his life when when Ronald Reagan was asked who he admired the most and who he felt closest to during his presidency, Ronald Reagan said John Paul II, which I think is an answer that many people would have found surprising, and it certainly wasn't something you saw in the (laughs) post-Vatican meeting photo ops, let's put it that way, and in the diplomatic releases that come out. So if you want more speculation on what actually happened in the Biden meetings with Pope Francis and this time and what they say or what they don't say, I'm going to have to—saddens me to say this as a mainstream religion writer. I'm going to have to advise people to head to the Catholic press both liberal and conservative. And frankly, they should look at Get Religion because I would imagine this is something that Clementi Lisi is going to take a look at. And in that case, it helps that Clementi Lisi speaks Italian and reads a lot of the Italian publications as well as what's said here in America.
1: You had mentioned the, the photo op. Uh, what did you make of the way the RNS piece ended by just simply suggesting the readers compare the post-meeting photo op pictures of President Donald Trump with Francis and those that are going to come out with President Biden?
0: Well, as I just said, I think it's all but meaningless, unless, of course, you buy into the fact that Francis is trying to send a signal. It may say more about the press. If you go back and look at the famous Associated Press story with Trump standing there smiling and the Pope is standing there frowning. What's interesting is that that's the photo that everybody chose to use in the press. When you go back and look at the photos from that session and you look at all the other ones, there are many other photos with Francis smiling and kind of like flashes of friendship or you know happiness going on in that crowd of people. So what does it tell you That the press fixated on that photo in which Francis was frowning as opposed to the photos in which Francis was smiling. It probably tells us a lot about the relationship between them and of course about the fact that Donald Trump being Donald Trump, he had taken some shots at Pope Francis especially on issues related to immigration And the Pope was more than happy to fire right back. So yes, that photo seemed to fit the press's framework for what this meeting had to be like. And the smiling Pope Francis photos didn't fit that framework. So I guess I would urge people when they try to make a judgment about the photographs that come out of the Biden-Francis session. I'm expecting them to be smiling and friendly and all that because these are two men who have been friendly to each other in the past. But at the same time, maybe maybe it's wiser to look at the videos and see if you can pick up any other signs of body language or facial expressions when they're talking about different subjects instead of just assuming that photo editors at mainstream papers, by picking one photograph, have given you some tremendous shattering insight
1: into the meeting. Terry Mattingly is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. He is author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate, and he is author of the book Pop Goes Religion. He's also founder and editor of Get Religion. Terry, thank you very much. Glad to be here. I'm Todd Wilkin. I'll talk with you next week. Thanks for listening to Crossroads with Terry Mattingly. Crossroads is a production of Get Religion, part of the First Amendment
0: projects at the Overby Center at the University of Mississippi. If you appreciate this podcast, please make a secure online tax-deductible donation at getreligion.org.